I wanted to be on my timeline of my life, the timeline I'd scripted out for myself when I was young, like so many of us do, and I was missing the mark, and I wanted to get back on track. And so that fear was influencing me and causing me to dismiss the prodding I kept feeling from my gut, to dismiss the voice in my head saying, Karen, this is not it. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Averill. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Averill. Unpopular opinion relationships shouldn't be all that hard. And I say it's an unpopular opinion because the rhetoric around relationships is that there's such hard work and it's so difficult, but you just got to dig in and not give up. And yes, let's be clear. Once we've committed, when we're married and we've taken vows and there might be children involved, of course I believe in persevering and sticking with it. And yes, Struggles can be opportunities to deepen our intimacy. Sometimes we go through a rough patch and we learn communication skills that we weren't utilizing before and we come to understand each other in a much more profound and deep and beautiful way. So we can absolutely emerge stronger after a period of difficulty. So this is not about bailing out once things get tough and just, oh, I'm out of here. No. What I'm talking about today is that relationship phase of dating. So, and I always talk about this, when we're dating, we are gathering information, certainly on the first couple of dates, but even when we're exclusive, even when we're exclusively dating, and it could be that that can last for a couple months, it can last for a couple of years, we are still gathering information. We are still trying to figure out now, are we a good fit as a couple? And yeah, that in-between phase between when we first start dating and then we become exclusive, and that is where we are in that trial basis, so to speak, where we're figuring out, like, do we like doing life in a similar way? Do we like doing life together? Do we make sense as a couple? That is the tricky area, because what I often see women doing, and I was guilty of this myself over the years is that sometimes in that, yes, we're exclusively dating phase, but we are not committed for a lifetime yet. Sometimes in this phase, we can act like we're married when we're not married. And we can get into that mindset of sticking with a relationship that's not working and trying so hard to make it work. And it's dicey. It's really hard to figure out at times because We love our boyfriend, and we've imagined a future together. I mean, even in the first couple months, we might have started planning our wedding in our head and figuring out who's going to be in our wedding party, and we can get ahead of ourselves sometimes and forget that we're still figuring out if we're a fit. But we also have these values that are weaving their way into this exclusive phase of our dating life. We can be thinking like, hey, I'm, I'm a loyal and supportive partner and I don't want to just jump ship because the waters got choppy. 
But as I put it in a reel this week on Instagram, if you're trying so hard to make a relationship work, it might be time to consider the possibility that maybe it's such hard work because it's not supposed to work. And of course, I want to talk about beliefs and values around relationships. Because we might be tempted to stay with a very difficult relationship if we've subscribed to the notion that relationships are super tough and they're all incredibly arduous. So just pick someone and make the best of it, but you'll probably end up miserable together anyway. Now, People wouldn't normally say that, that they believe that. Like no woman in her 20s and 30s is going, I'm just out here looking for a super tough relationship. It's going to be incredibly arduous. I'm just going to pick someone and make the best of it, but I'm probably going to end up miserable anyway. I mean, no one is out here going, that's what I'm looking for. But as we talk about so often on this program, oftentimes our subconscious beliefs are operating beneath the surface and they're influencing us in ways we don't even realize. Sidebar, for more on that, check out episode 76, which was actually the very first episode that Elliot ever did on Love and Life, where we talked about these subconscious beliefs and he was seeing it with the couples with whom he works, where there were these underlying beliefs they weren't even aware of, yet these beliefs were absolutely asserting their influence on the couple and affecting their happiness and their satisfaction with their relationship. So again, that's episode 76, if you want a little bit more on that topic, although the rest of this episode is certainly going to encompass these beliefs as well. And to frame the rest of our conversation today, I'll just address a question that came up when I posted that reel I mentioned earlier. One of you asked the following, I wonder, is there a hard rule, by and large, in long-term dating to distinguish when it's time to work on a relationship and when it's time to end it? Or do you think that anytime you're dating and it's difficult, it's just time to call it quits? And that really gets to the essence of what we're talking about, doesn't it? Should I stay or should I go? And how do I know if I should stay or I should go? And for those of you who might be newer to the program, you may not know that I come from this from a lot of experience. I was engaged to the wrong person for a year and a half and stayed for a lot of the wrong reasons that we'll discuss here in a moment, and then called off the wedding two months before it was supposed to happen. So I know what it's like to feel stuck in a relationship and to have the confusion of, wait, there's a lot of good stuff here, but is it good enough to go the distance? I know that struggle and been there, felt that. The three main concerns regarding should I stay or should I go right after this. I'd love to connect with you via my weekly newsletter. Joining the Love and Life email list ensures you're the first to know everything going on in the Love and Life family. You'll receive insider perk pricing for consultations and events, and it's the best way to keep in touch when I do what the research suggests is very healthy and take breaks from social media. Subscribe on my website, loveandlifemedia.com. And as a bonus, you'll get my free Empowered Dating Playbook. Okay, the first key element to really determine 
if you're supposed to be in this relationship or if it's really not the right relationship for you is to get really honest with yourself about fear. Is there any fear behind your decision to stay in a very difficult relationship? Fear is so powerful. I've addressed it. I mean, we talk about it all the time on Love and Life because fear is very often operating behind the scenes or even overtly in our decision-making. I've heard it put this way. We are always motivated by one of two things, love or fear. We're either moving toward love and responding from a place of love, or we are moving away from fear and responding because of fear. And because I mentioned before, I have been there, felt that I, looking back, can acknowledge that so much of the motivation for me staying in a relationship that I knew from the very early days was not the relationship for me with my ex-fiance, though he was a wonderful man. So much of the motivation to stay was out of fear because I had just turned 30, because my friends were married and having families, because what if what I was hoping for didn't actually exist out there? What if I had this notion of what I wanted to feel in my partnership But what if I was kidding myself? What if I just gotten caught up in all the rom-coms and Hollywood had sold me a lie of what could really be expected and was possible in an adult relationship? It wasn't going to feel like puppy love when I was a kid anyway, right? These are the sort of messages I told myself. And then because I feared that what I deeply desired wasn't in fact possible, I stayed hoping to make something that was good be good enough. But then, again, my values kicked in too because I value thriving in life. I want to have an epic experience in life where you only get one go at this. And so that was conflicting. In the midst of my fear, there was a part of me that was saying, no, Karen, good enough isn't good enough. And so there was this inner battle that was waging. And it's mentally exhausting. And I know many of you have been there. And maybe some of you are there right now. So you have to get real honest with yourself. I was raised to be a strong, independent woman. It was hard for me to admit to myself that a lot of what I was doing in that relationship with my ex-fiance was out of fear. I didn't want to acknowledge that I was scared of being alone. But if I'm honest, that was certainly part of it. And I was also fearful that my conception of what marriage could be was out of reach, wasn't available to me, or it was even a fantasy. It wasn't a realistic depiction of what people can truly expect in a relationship. I was fearful that if I left my ex-fiance, no one else would ever propose to me. I would never have the opportunity to be married. I was afraid I'd never be a mother. I was afraid of the clock ticking. There was a lot of fear going on. When I look back at the time, I don't think I had the clarity that so much of what was going on was because of fear. And as I've talked about in other episodes, and when I've been interviewed about calling off my engagement, it was extra hard because he was a really good guy and really successful. And we really 
aligned on so many values and the way of doing life. So that obviously contributed to the confusion. And that core fear being, like I said a moment ago, the fear of my heart wanting something that maybe didn't even exist. And my head going, this is a really good guy. He's quality individual. He's smart. He's driven. He's successful. He will be such a great father and husband and loyal and faithful to you. So don't be stupid, Karen. (laughs) Don't let go of something really good, hoping to get something that's great that may not actually even exist. So I ask you, when you are in that, should I stay or should I go space? Please be really honest with yourself about any underlying fear Because that underlying fear that you are not willing to acknowledge is at work is the most powerful fear because you won't even acknowledge it. You won't even admit that it's there. And therefore, it's asserting its influence all over your decision-making process and you're not even aware of it. Ask yourself, am I afraid of being alone? Am I afraid of being alone forever? Am I afraid that if I let this relationship go, I'll never get anything better and it would have been better to hang on to the one that I had as opposed to taking the risk that something epic is out there for me? Am I afraid of the biological clock ticking? Am I afraid that maybe I don't even actually deserve love? Am I afraid that I'll never be loved fully for who I am? I'll never be seen and cherished for the person that I actually am and so... I'll just take these crumbs from this person and call it a day. Those are the kind of questions you need to ask yourself and get real honest, real, real honest with yourself. And if you realize that, yes, any of those fears or many of them are keeping you working really hard to hang on to a relationship that is such hard work, then you have your answer. Because no one wants to make a commitment, walk down the aisle, take vows, and build a life together out of fear. And one final thought on this. When I called off my engagement, I was a basket case. I felt like a horrible person. I had broken his heart. I had led him on, not intentionally, but because I hadn't been honest with myself, I had. I felt like I'd let everyone down, his family, my family, I felt really, really awful and like a bad person, really. (laughs) But one thing that helped me later as I started to process and start to sort through everything was realizing that though it was really hard in the moment and painful for everyone involved, me included, him included, obviously, it was kinder to let him go than to marry him out of fear. He didn't deserve that. He deserved to be with someone who loved him crazy and couldn't imagine life without him. He did not deserve to be with someone who married him with one of the main core motivating factors being that she was scared. If you're in a tough relationship trying to figure out if you should stay or you should go, think about that as well. That's not fair to your boyfriend or your girlfriend if you're staying in it because of fear. Have you heard? 
You can now listen to my book, Single is the New Black. Don't wear white till it's right. As you know, I wrote the book I wish had been available to me when I was single. So obviously, it's not about how to snag a man. Rather, it's all about how to stay strong amidst single shaming and remain true to yourself and never settle for anything less than an extraordinary relationship. Find it on Audible or iTunes. And for a free sample, check out Chapter 11 of Single is the New Black in Episode 145 of Love and Life. The second element we need to consider in a should I stay or should I go situation, values, we talk about them all the time and we're going to talk about them again because our values are what allow us to thrive in relationships and if we don't align on our values, our relationships will be hard. There's a ton of research on this in the marriage and the marriage therapy literature where we look at couples who struggle. They oftentimes have disconnects in their core values. So we can save ourselves a lot of trouble if we marry someone who shares these common values. And that's one of the reasons that oftentimes when people get married young, it doesn't work out. In fact, there's a research study I share in my book that shows that the older we are at the age of first marriage, the less likely we are to divorce, which really makes sense when you think about it, because when we're young, we're not thinking about values. We're just figuring out who we are. We're still identifying values, clarifying those, and becoming independent in the sense of self and who we are, and that individual development is so important for us to understand with whom will we be a good fit. We can't figure that out if we don't even know who we are. That's one of the reasons, like I said, that people who get married young, it can work out obviously, but it doesn't always pan out. And so often people move in different directions and there's no way for them to know when they partner up as young people to know that they are going to eventually evolve into very different people than the ones that they were when they first got together. So what to do about values? We're going to get real concrete. And admittedly, I did not do this until way late in my dating journey because I didn't want to box myself in. I didn't want to be one of those girls who's like, this is my list and he has to have this and this and this. But I was seeing it wrong. I was coming at it from the wrong vantage point. I was seeing it as like, oh, I don't want to eliminate some really good guy just because he doesn't have this box over here that I want to check. But I need to look at it differently and see it as, no, I do want to eliminate a lot of guys. Yeah, I do. We all do. We want to eliminate people with whom we will have a very difficult and unhappy relationship, right? So how do we figure out who those people are? We get our values down in black and white. We pull out a, a journal and we write down those qualities that we must have, not because we're like, oh, he's got to be this and this and this, but because we are this and this and this. Because even many qualities of our personalities are rooted in our values. Are you the type of person who for example, values being a good listener. If that's the case, you're probably going to want to be with a partner who also values being a good listener in social contexts 
because that's how you present yourself. And if your partner doesn't, you'll be like, oh my gosh, here he goes again. And he is talking nonstop and not letting anyone else get a word in edgewise. And then when you get home from that party, you're going to be like, why did you go off on all these topics and no one else could talk? And you'll be embarrassed because that's something that's out of step with your values. And so even qualities about personalities that you might put on this list are rooted in values and they're legitimate. And you're allowed to want someone who shows up and does life in a similar way that you do. And in fact, as I said, the research shows you're smart to want these things. You're just going to have fewer things to fight about. Marital therapists talk about money in the bank, your common values, your similarities are money in the bank. So write them out. Write down a list of all the values your future partner must possess. And my guess is you're going to request of your future partner the same values that you are giving to the relationship. And when you're doing that, you know you're not being too picky because you're not asking for anything that you're not willing to give yourself. And getting back to the theme of today's program, if you're in a should I stay or should I go situation, this exercise is still for you because maybe you've never, if you've been together for a while, maybe you've never taken the time to identify your values and what you want in partnership. And once you identify your values, then take a cold, hard look at your boyfriend, girlfriend, do they possess these same values? And if they don't, maybe that's why it's such hard work because you're trying to mold them and shape them and encourage them to be the person who would in fact match you in terms of values. And is that fair to them? Is that loving to be with someone hoping the entire time that they would actually morph into an entirely different person. And the final element we need to consider to figure out if this relationship is hard work because relationships take effort or if it's too much hard work. Trust your gut. I know it sounds like a cliche, but it really isn't. And I'll harken back to my own experience once again just to flesh this out. My gut was telling me from the very beginning of my relationship with my ex-fiance that it wasn't right. I didn't feel what I felt I needed to feel. And yes, as we've talked about, it was complicated by the fear. I just turned 30 and I wanted to be on my timeline of my life, the timeline I'd scripted out for myself when I was young, like so many of us do, and I was missing the mark and I wanted to get back on track. And so that fear was influencing me and causing me to dismiss the prodding I kept feeling from my gut, to dismiss the voice in my head saying, Karen, this is not it. This just doesn't feel right. It's not it. And then as for values, they were pretty well aligned. I always put it this way. We certainly looked really good on paper. We looked like we'd be a perfect match. And then my own internal values, I had the value of, Well, I want to be in the most passionate, exciting relationship possible. But like I talked about earlier, there was the other value of like, well, come on, Karen, be realistic, be reasonable. Your life isn't a Hollywood chick flick. So there were those competing values of wanting this epic relationship with my person and then also wanting to be smart about things and be rational. And 
So those internal values can be at odds and they can do battle. And that can be confusing for sure. And that's where, in my case, just to really unpack it, to give you a real concrete example, I finally realized that that battle of the value of let's be smart about things versus the value of like, I just want that crazy, passionate chemistry and I want the total package that I think most of us want. When I got honest about the fear that was behind the value of, well, let's be reasonable, let's be smart about this. It was a fear-based value. So once I got clear about that, I dismantled the fear and the value clarification just happened automatically at that point. Because when I realized that the fear was behind the let's be smart about this value, then my other value could rise to the top. The value of, listen, we only get one chance in this life and I want passionate, total package love or else I'll just be single and that'll be okay too. But I'm not going to have a good enough relationship just to check the marriage box. And another way that I clarified that for myself that allowed me then to, like I said, clarify the values and then get to the point of being able to trust my gut because my gut had been trying to tell me the entire time and I hadn't been listening was when I looked at myself and said, okay, there's fear here. You know, once I'm engaged now for a year and the wedding's in a couple months and I start to really freak out, the fear then became a fear of going through with something that my gut was telling me wasn't right, just so that I could be back on track with my timeline. And that fear of living a lie, essentially, and stepping into what looked from the outside, like a really nice marriage, but from the inside, I knew was a sham or would have been a sham and essentially would have been phony. The fear of making that choice became a bigger fear than the fear of being alone. I started to fear living a lie much more than I feared remaining single, even if that meant being single for my entire life. So pulling it all together, the values that were in conflict really weren't in conflict once I was able to examine the fear that was motivating the value. And that's why these three elements are so critical They're distinct, but they work together as well. And I shared so much of my own story because I know sometimes when we talk about a construct like values and trusting your gut, that's all nebulous. It's so abstract that I think it helps to get a tangible example. And I hope sharing what I've been through has been helpful. So for trusting your gut, ask yourself, what is my gut telling me? Are there any fears that I am allowing to cloud my vision and cloud my clarity of what my gut is telling me? The love and life hack for this week is obviously fear, values, gut. Get real honest with yourself about your fears. Clarify your values 
and trust your gut. Thank you as always for joining us today. I hope that this has been helpful for you. I know that there are several of you from your interactions with the posts I've been doing recently on Instagram. I know there's several of you who are dealing with this very issue and I hope that my thoughts and my experience can be useful for you as you move forward. Don't forget to head over to loveandlifemedia.com to grab your free empowered dating playbook. In the playbook, I share research-based methods for leveling up your dating game to an empowered position. It's a great supplement to what we've talked about today in this episode. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen anderson Abril, and until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen anderson Abril.